read the Word of God tonight from Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19, verses 1 through 29. Our text is verses 15 through 22. So I ask you to pay special close attention to those verses 15 through 22 as we read Genesis 19, 1 through 29. There came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. The men put forth a hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. And he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Now the words of our text. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, 
the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O, oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Abraham get up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. We read the word of God thus far, and our text is especially verses 15 through 22. You will recall, beloved, that recently we considered a part of the history of the life of Lot. And specifically, we considered a few weeks ago that part of the history of the life of Lot when Lot separated himself from Abraham and pitched his tent toward Sodom, a terrible sin that he committed, and a terrible sin that led to terrible consequences in the life of Lot and in the life of his family. Lot lost everything, all of his riches and all of his family as well. But our consideration of that part of the history of Lot's life would really be incomplete without considering what our text has to say about Lot. You could say that we concluded in our consideration of the lot of life last time with Lot still 
in the city of Sodom. We left him there in the city of Sodom. There is more to the history of the life of Lot, and more specifically to the history of the Lord's dealings with Lot. The history in our text demonstrates this concerning him, and that is the comforting truth of the gospel concerning the preservation of the saints, the truth that a child of God cannot lose his or her salvation, and demonstrating to us in our text that God makes sure of that. This truth, once a child of God, is always a child of God. And the history of Lot is an outstanding example of that work of God's grace in the lives of his children. God did it for Lot. God preserved him. And God does it and will do it for everyone who belongs to him and who belongs to Christ. Certainly a comfort for us personally concerning our own salvation, but also a comfort for us concerning other believers who stray. And we may wonder about that, but this we know. God will preserve all those who are his. Consider with me God's gracious preservation of Lot. First, whom God preserved, Secondly, his preservation of him. And thirdly, the certainty of this. Whom did God preserve? God's work of preservation was his work of preserving a man who was a sinner. Lot, like every one of us, had committed many sins in his lifetime. And Lot had committed some very serious offenses against God in his lifetime. One sin was that which we considered from Genesis 13, the sin of having a dispute with Abraham, his uncle, over the land, a sin that involved Lot really being the instigator of that dispute between the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham because Lot was governed by the sin of covetousness. He wanted to be independently wealthy. He wanted to have a name for himself in the land of Canaan, and he was not satisfied to live with Abraham. So that led to him committing the sin of refusing to live at peace with his fellow believers, and then the sin of separating himself from Abraham, separating himself from the church, separating himself from the covenant people of God, and really separating himself from 
cross and pitching his tent towards Sodom, separate from the church and close to the world of the ungodly. Soon, Lot, with his family, committed another serious sin, and that was the sin of moving into and living in the city of Sodom. He didn't do that immediately. He pitched his tent toward Sodom, not in Sodom. But he was near the city. And the fact that Scripture says he pitched his tent toward Sodom meant that he was facing the city of Sodom. And every morning when he and his family arose from their tent, they were immediately seeing the city of Sodom. And Lot and his family became attracted to that city. Soon they moved into that city. He abandoned dwelling in a tent. He no longer lived in such a way as to remind himself of the fact that he must live as a pilgrim and a stranger on this earth. And so he lived in Sodom. He lived amongst the ungodly. He mingled daily with them. As our text indicates, or as the chapter that we read indicates, he was affected by that too. Willing when the men of the city wanted Lot to let out the men that visited him, willing to let his daughters be abused by them. And even speaking to them, as he did in verse 7, as brethren. lived among the ungodly, and he was not living himself a godly life. And then there is another sin recorded concerning Lot in Genesis chapter 14. Four kings came against the city of Sodom, and they captured many from the city of Sodom, took them away, and Lot was amongst them. And then Abraham hears of that, and Abraham gathers together his men, some 300 men, and he pursues those kings that had taken Lot out of Sodom, and he rescued Lot and his family from those kings. And really, you could say God was speaking to Lot through that incident, and God was saying to Lot, Lot, you don't belong in the city of Sodom. Get out of that city. Don't go back to that city. He was being chastened by the Lord and instructed by God through that, but he didn't listen. He went right back to living in the wicked city of Sodom. And now when the angels come, that's where Lot is. That was no ordinary city. The wickedness of Sodom was great. Sin had developed in the city of Sodom into its worst form, the sin of 
homosexuality. Here was a city that God had given over to this great wickedness. And here was a city in which the cup of iniquity was now full. And here was a city that was ripe for destruction from the hand of God. And God was coming in his wrath exactly to do that, to destroy the city of Sodom. He would destroy it very soon. Verse 13, For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. The punishment of God that would come upon Sodom was final. Final in the sense that for one to die in the fire and brimstone that God would send upon the city of Sodom and the city of Gomorrah and destroy all life in those cities, for someone to die in that was for that person to go to hell under the wrath of God. Here was Lot living in that city. No effort to leave that city. No effort on his part to get away from that city. And even when he was commanded to leave, slow to do so. Blindly pursuing a sinful course in his life as we sometimes do too, not realizing how dangerous that course was. Pursuing it as if it was all okay. Living as a prodigal son, you could say, far from God, far from the flock of Jesus Christ, and far from the safety of of God's church. God came to rescue him. We may very well ask, why did God bother to rescue him? Why does God bother rescue us. Concerning Lot, we might say, well, if this is where he chose to live, why not destroy him with a city? He got himself into this situation. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. He moved himself and his family into this city. He chose the wealth of the world instead of maintaining peace with fellow believers with Abraham and his family. He chose the world instead of the church. Doesn't he show himself to be an unbeliever? Why rescue him? Why not let him perish? But then we can ask the same about ourselves too. Why does God bother with us? Why does God bother with us when we walk in sin, even in the same sins that Lot walked in? 
when we're more concerned with ourselves than with living at peace with our fellow saints in the Church of Christ. When we're so interested in this world and its pleasure and in its money and in its success that we have very little time for the church. When we are blindly pursuing a sinful course in life and we think nothing of it and we think we will be fine continuing on in that sinful way. Why does God bother? God pursued Lot because Lot was an elect child of God. The preservation of the saints is the preservation of the elect. And it may seem to us that Lot was an unbeliever, but the scripture, and we remind ourselves of that from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, The scripture says this concerning him, that God delivered just Lot, who was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them. Notice that. Just Lot, that righteous man. We look at the life of Lot and we'd say he was anything but a righteous man, but God says concerning him, he was a just man and he was a righteous man. Remarkable statements concerning him. In spite of all his sin, that was how God viewed Lot. In spite of all his sin, that was true of Lot because Lot was an elect child of God. Righteous not in himself, but righteous in Christ. God bothered with him because he was eternally chosen. God bothered with him not because of anything that was true of Lot himself, not because of anything that Lot did, but because He was one who would be saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The issue with the preservation of Lot was this. Is Lot a reprobate? Then he can be destroyed with the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then he can perish in the fire and brimstone that God will send down upon those cities. Is he elect? then God will preserve him. This history shows, beloved, how undeserving anyone is of God's salvation and God's preservation. That was very clearly the case with Lot. That was also the case with other saints of God throughout the Old Testament and throughout the biblical record of God's people. Think of the nation of Israel. Stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious, complaining. 
God protected them. God preserved them. God brought them into the land of Canaan. Think of David, an adulterer and a murderer. God preserved him. Think of Peter denying his Lord at his Lord's moment of greatest need for one from a human point of view to defend him. God preserved Peter. And likewise for you and for me. He preserves all who are his. He brings them back to himself when they stray. And not because they want it, not because they desire to be preserved by him. By nature, they don't. Not either because they deserve to be preserved by him. The story of Lot shows very clearly we don't. Preserves because of his sovereign, eternal election and his grace and mercy in Christ. God's preservation is the work of God. And it is gracious. When it comes to God's preservation of his people, God is at work in it, not man. We don't do it. We are passive in it. God begins the work of salvation in his people. God continues the work of salvation in his people. And God completes that work of salvation in his people. As Philippians 1.6 reminds us, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. God does not forsake the work of his hands. But understand, beloved, the preservation of the people of God does not mean that a child of God never sins. We do. We do plenty. But the preservation of God means this, that the, the saints of God never fall so completely into sin that they are lost forever. They do fall into sin, but God does not leave us in that pathway of sin. He leads his children to repentance. He seeks and he restores his straying and lost sheep. He brings back to himself the prodigal son. Marvelous, sovereign preservation of God. That's what God did with Lot. We really should take note of the fact, too, that God had been preserving Lot even while he was still living in the city of Sodom. Lot had fallen into grievous sin. 
He had chosen the world. He had forsaken the church. He had put himself and his family in the very center of the worst city that you could find in the world. But the scripture says that he was a man whose soul was vexed by that sin. That was the preservation of God, God keeping him spiritually so that even as he was surrounded by that great evil, he saw it as being evil, and he was troubled by it. That's the preservation of God. And now God, just before he destroyed Sodom and with it Gomorrah, continued his preserving work of this straying child, this prodigal son. Mercifully, he sent the angels to deliver Lot from the wrath of God that was coming down upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels spoke to him. The angels warned him. The angels told him, you are in a city that is going to be destroyed, Lot. Get out. Get out now. And when he lingered, when he was slow, the angels acted. They took a hold of that lingering Lot and they dragged him out of the city. Sovereignly delivering Lot from his sin, sovereignly delivering Lot from the wrath of God that was coming down upon the wickedness of that city, and sovereignly delivering him from eternal destruction. God preserves his people. That's the work God does in our lives too. And in the lives of all those who belong to Christ. All those who are saints. All those who are elect. All those who are ordained to life eternal. Foolishly, we sin. And foolishly, we put ourselves and our souls and our family in grave spiritual danger at times. For example, a man wants to earn a larger income. And so he considers moving away from the church to do so. A young person uses and is addicted to illicit and filthy material on the internet, pursuing a path of sin. A believer gets caught up in a lie, and one lie leads to another lie to another. A married man or a married woman 
is keenly interested in someone else other than his or her spouse. God doesn't leave his people to lose their faith, to continue until death in such sin, but rescues them. And sometimes God has to be, as it were, forceful as he was with Lot. Sometimes he needs to bring us, as he did with Lot, to lose many, many things before we see how foolish, how foolish we are in pursuing the path of sin. That's the preservation of God, keeping us from the path that leads to hell and to eternal <coughs> destruction, bringing us back to Christ, bringing us back in the way of repentance and sorrow over sin, bringing us to experience the forgiveness of Christ for our sins and the forgiveness of God for them bringing us to experience again peace with God and the joy of our salvation and bringing us again to a place of spiritual safety. But understand, beloved, God's preservation of his people is not a license to sin. So that we might say, it doesn't matter how I'll live, because I'll be saved anyway if I'm a child of God. In fact, this history warns us against that. Look at what Lot suffered, and look at what Lot lost. His wife loved the world and perished, his children also, and he had nothing. You and I want God to need to deal so harshly and severely with us because we haven't taken to heart the warnings God gives in Scripture. Finally, the text confirms without a doubt, that the preservation of God's people is a certain thing. First of all, the preservation of the people of God, the preservation of Lot, and of all who are Christ's, is certain because it's the work of God. God preserved Lot. God sent the angels. God spoke his word through the angels to call Lot out of that city of Sodom. God directed the angels to take Lot out when he was slow to leave that city. And God also waited to destroy the city of Sodom until Lot was safely out of the city. In fact, the scripture teaches us that it was impossible for God 
not to preserve Lot. That's the language of Scripture to emphasize to us the certainty of God's preservation. That was stated by Abraham in chapter 18, verse 25, when he said this, that be far from thee, speaking to the Lord, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? We see that even in the chapter that we read, verses 21 and 22, when Lot is speaking to the angel and asking them if he could go live in this other city instead, the angels in their response point out to him that from God's point of view, nothing could be done to Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot was safely out of those cities. Verses 21 and 22, and he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Impossible for God to destroy the righteous with the wicked. Impossible for God not to preserve those who are his. Impossible for God to do that because the elect belong to Christ. Impossible for God to do that because God cannot destroy those who belong to Christ. God cannot destroy those for whom Christ died on the cross. Not one of them. Not one. God could do nothing else but save Lot. Otherwise, he would be unjust. And otherwise, he would be a God who says, Christ's work of dying for this particular person was for naught. Certain because it is the sovereign work of God. But certain secondly because as our text mentions, we read of that in verse 16, the Lord is merciful. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord, or Jehovah, being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without or outside the city. Mercy, that was the loving motive of God. God's mercy is God's compassion. Mercy is how you feel when you see someone else suffering. You observe that. You observe the grief, the trouble, the turmoil that they are going through, and you have pity 
upon that. You feel for that. And you want their suffering to be over. And if you could, you would bring an end to it for that. Pity. That's how God is toward you and me when he sees us in misery. He has pity. He is merciful. And the striking thing is this, that God has pity upon us in our misery, even when at times we bring that misery upon ourselves by our sin. But the mercy of God is much more than just pity. We can often only show pity and compassion to someone who is suffering. God's mercy includes and involves also this, that he delivers his people from their suffering. And he does that through Christ. He does that on the basis of the finished work of Christ for them. He is merciful to those for whom Christ died on the cross. God cannot be and is not merciful just to anyone and everyone because the sins that are committed must be covered. The sins must be paid for and God's mercy to us must involve him delivering us from those sins. And that can only be a reality on the basis of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But God was merciful merciful to Lot. And Lot experienced that, and Lot knew it, and Lot confessed it, brought by God to see the wonder of God's grace and mercy as he stated that in verse 19, Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. Great is the mercy of God. And the greatness of that mercy is clear when we realize how undeserving we are of it. And we say, why does God bother with me? And I continue to sin against him. Why does God bother with anyone who strays from his way? Because God is merciful. Merciful in Christ. And so may you be personally comforted, beloved, by this truth. God preserves you and me who do not deserve to be preserved. We deserve to perish, but God cannot abandon his people, not one of them. And may we also be comforted as this applies to other children of God. Perhaps a family member or a loved one that you wonder about. 
distressed. They don't seem to pay any attention to the Word of God. They don't seem to pay any attention to what you say to them. This you can know. God will not abandon any who are His. We praise God for His boundless mercy. And we are filled with gratitude for His preserving grace in Christ. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank and praise thee for thy word. Great thou art in all of thy works and ways. Great in thy preserving power and great in thy mercy and grace. Comfort our hearts, we pray, by thy word and gospel. Give us the assurance that all those who are thine, will be protected and preserved by thee, and preserved unto the day of Christ, to be glorified with him forever and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.